and who are you and what do you do? So I am Cynthia Diaz. I actually just gave up my title as Miss Connecticut USA this past Sunday. So that job closed. Um, but I also, I'm a human resources professional. I have my master's in industrial organizational psychology. So I'm just fascinated by people in the workplace. Um, one of the things I absolutely love about myself is I'm a Portuguese American first generation. And so grew up in a very different household. I didn't speak English until I was five years old. No, I'm 23 years old, so I'm just like trying to live my life. I live down in Stamford, and it is a lot of fun. Born and raised in Connecticut, so. So you came, you were born here or you came here? So I was born here, but I still didn't speak English until I was five. Okay, but your parents? So my mom, so I like to say I'm actually one and a half generations. My dad immigrated here in his 20s, and then my mom was first generation on her side. Okay. Yeah. That's cool. It is, it is. And you were Miss Connecticut USA. I was. Until this past weekend. Until this past weekend. So, so it's how, fresh. <laughs> how does that work? So every year they have the pageant. And so it consists of a few phases of competition. We have an interview with the panel of judges. Um, at the state level, it's three minutes. At the national level, it's five minutes. And it's usually three to five judges. Always have an odd number because you never know if there's a split decision. And then we have evening gown, onstage question, and swimsuit as well. So after your year is up, they have the pageant again, and I crown the next girl who wins. So how long have you been doing pageants? So I've had like a couple different areas, I would say. I did dance competitions when I was younger, and then I didn't compete until my in my first pageant until I was about 13 years old. And the first year I competed, I actually did not win a single thing. So the way the Miss America system, so there's two different ones. I'm not sure if, you look, if you've looked this up. There's Miss America and Miss USA are the two big ones. So... I competed in the Miss America system, and the way it works there is you have your local title, your state title, and then the national title. So you have to compete at your local title, and I competed in three different locals, did not win a single thing. And I was like, oh, I'm done with pageants. Like, 13-year-old self was in eighth grade, went to high school. Like I said, I did dance competitions growing up. All of a sudden, I decided I wanted to do sports. My parents were like, are you kidding me right now? So started playing soccer, and I was like, no, I don't want to do pageants. And the local director called me and was like, Cynthia, hey, we need one more girl in order to have the pageant for Miss Wolcott's Outstanding Teen, my hometown. So shout out to Wolcott. And I was like, okay, if you need another girl, like, I'll do it. And I'm the type of person, I'm very competitive. So if I always say I'm doing something, I'm doing it 110%. So I went in, I ended up winning my local title. And then I competed at the state level and won Miss Connecticut's Outstanding Teen 2014, so nine years ago. Had my reign. I went to nationals and that was it. I didn't get anything there, um, but I was totally fine with that. I mean, I was 14, 15 years old, just having the time of my life. And so after my year, I tried to stay as busy as possible, did community service all over the state of Connecticut, started my own reading program, reading is succeeding, and was just like, this is a lot of work. I love doing it, but it is. I was in high school. I was like, let me finish doing my sports, getting ready for college. I was like, I'm done with pageants. And then last year happened. <laughs> and so I literally took an eight-year hiatus and just decided to run again, um, but in the Miss USA system instead. So the big difference is Miss America has talent. Miss USA does not have talent. So biggest difference right there. And I decided to do the Miss USA just because I haven't done talent in a, in a hot minute because life and work and everything. And so I wanted to join the Miss USA system because they had just gotten a new owner. They had um, it was called like hashtag pageantry reimagined. We love our hashtags on Instagram and everything, of course. 
And what they really wanted was someone who is relatable, someone who can actually like post on social media. And it's not just as much fun as the glam and the photo shoots and everything are. They wanted someone who was relatable to the everyday person. And so when I was in college, I suffered from an eating disorder. And we can get into that later if you want. I've been very vocal about my story, so I don't mind sharing. And what I really wanted is I didn't have the resources. I wasn't knowledgeable about what an eating disorder was. What are the signs, symptoms, how to recover? And so I wanted to use the platform within the Miss USA organization in order to actually spread awareness and be like, hey, over 28 million Americans deal with this, whether it's eating disorders or disordered eating. That's a huge number and a lot of people don't know about it. And so I decided I was going to run for a pageant again. It was like September, October of 2021. Ran last year, April 2022 won the title of Miss Connecticut USA and actually competed at Miss USA this past October 2022, received People's Choice Award and made the top 12. So Okay, so yeah. what's People's Choice Award? So they vote online. Okay. So they have everyone's headshots online and you can put in your vote and I ended up winning that one, which is pretty darn cool. Good for you. <laughs> Thank you. So you played soccer the four years of high school? Yes, played soccer and ran track. Okay. Yes. So I was actually all state my junior and senior year for soccer and made it. So in Connecticut, we have our like regional things. And then you go to states, which is within your own division and then state opens, which is all of Connecticut. So I made state and state opens and I actually hold the school record for the 110 uh, meter hurdles, women's meter hurdles at Wolk at high school. So yeah. For you. Thank you. you. My achiever. Oh, just a little bit. (laughs) So pageants get a bad rap oh yes they do so let's talk about that let's hear it what do you want to know well what's your opinion why do you think they get a bad rap i honestly think they get a bad rap because people only see what's on the surface they see all of these shows like toddlers and tiaras where it's all the drama just the glitz you see these little kids who are just in full glam makeup and you don't get what it is actually about like the miss usa and the miss america organization there's so much more depth than just the glitz and the glam to it. So I think that's the main thing is social media, TV shows have all portrayed pageants in a certain way. Even some movies too. Like there are some movies where it's strictly about that. Although Miss Congeniality is one of my favorite ones. Love it. Um, But you have this idea that the person, they're not usually, they're very pretty. They're not that smart. And that's it. Like you try to hold a conversation with one and you can't. Yeah. Um, So I honestly think that's what it is. So many people, they automatically have this stereotype in their head that they don't even try to understand. I know this past year, so I was working at a hedge fund when I competed for Miss Connecticut USA. And people were like, oh, like you work at a hedge fund and you graduated college early and you compete in pageants. Something's not adding up here. So I think just showing people like, hey, there's so much more depth. Like we actually have to sit in front of a panel of judges and answer any questions like my first question in my interview at Miss USA was what is your opinion on legalizing sex work what is your opinion on legalizing sex work well I think it's something that happens regardless whether it's legalized or not so I mean might as well legalize it that way we're ensuring people are safe while doing it not only that like so many things happen within this industry with human traffic trafficking if we end up legalizing this area then maybe we can help mitigate those areas as well do you think it will mitigate the trafficking? I do I, think so. Yeah, because I think about it, actually, when this conversation comes up, mm-hmm. it's an interesting thought that if you legalize it, it will help stop the trafficking. Yeah. However, 
a lot of the trafficking is underage kids. Yeah. And they're sure as shit not going to legalize that. Yeah, definitely not. No, no, no. Right? Yeah. So it's kind of that double-edged sword of, yeah, it will it will hopefully make sure that people are safer. It will hopefully yeah. make sure that there's regulations in place. Correct. It's one of those weird industries, mm-hmm. if it was to be an industry where yeah. there's definitely... It's definitely easy to become very shady in that industry. Oh, 100%. Right? And, yes. and start to manipulate and abuse people yeah. no matter what. Yes. It, it's it's just a very interesting, very difficult mm-hmm. topic. 100%. Right? And I because, think, too, like, as we get to know the industry, let's say this does become legalized, people are able to understand it better because people understand it only if they're involved in it right now. A lot of people, like governments, um, hopefully are not involved in that. Who knows? But that side of it, you are just, the whole entire world, they don't really know what goes on in the background with that. It's all, it's literally in the shadows. So maybe even just bringing it to the surface, legalizing it, being able to regulate it will help people understand it more too. And so they're able to put things in place. It is legal in Vegas. Yes, it is. But Vegas is a very different place. (laughs) <laughs> right. But that would be, I mean, I guess that would be the sample pool, though, right? Where yeah. you would have to look at that. And I haven't done enough research or thought. I definitely. Or, I did at one yeah. point because I'm a filmmaker. Yeah. I was very interested in the world of trafficking and, and yeah. the sex worker industry on a very documentary yeah. writing perspective. Mm-hmm. So I did talk to some people in the indus- in that illegal industry. Yep. Um, just to kind of get an understanding of why they do it and why it's a thing. Yeah. And a lot of it comes down to money. Mm-hmm. Don't want to get a regular job. Yeah. Drugs, abuse, yeah. trafficking, like all those. There's a lot of negativity around it. There's a lot of, I mean, you, I don't know that you'll ever find a sex worker, mm-hmm. male or female. Yeah. That is mentally stable a hundred percent. Correct. Yeah. Right. I like I that. just, for me, I just feel like, and I don't know how many people are actually mentally stable in yeah. general, right? Like, that's, that's, that's a different that's a whole story other, right there. <laughs> right? But there is something to be said about, I think there would need to be some sort of psychology mm-hmm. requirement oh, yeah. to it mm-hmm. of like, okay, you have to pass this psych evaluation. You have, We have to yeah. make sure that you're capable of taking care of yourself mm-hmm. and that this is really what you want to do and it's not something that you think you have to do. Yep. I just watched a movie with, look up the movie with Jonathan Tucker that just came out. Um, I don't remember what it was called, but when you find it, it's new. And I think it was streaming on Palm Trees and the Power Lines? Maybe. Can you give me like a description? That came out in 2022. It was, I think it's either 2022 or 2023, Jonathan Tucker, and it's about human trafficking. It's a, it, But the description is about a teenage girl who decided that an older boy was the answer to all of her problems. Oh, that's never the answer. Right. <laughs> well, it ended up being that the character that Jonathan Tucker played mm-hmm. was a human trafficker. Yeah. And it was like this really uncomfortable, like 17-year-old girl mm-hmm. falls for this 30-something-year-old man, yeah. and it turns out that... Like, and you get the feeling, right? Like, he lives in a motel. And then other girls are talking to him. And then somebody else warns her that, like, this guy's bad. What's it called? Did you find it? Yeah, it is. Palm trees and the power lines. Yeah. 
So it it was it was good, mm-hmm. but it it again it leads to that whole idea of underage girls yeah. are gonna be trafficked. Underage boys are gonna be trafficked because it's not mutually exclusive to to girls. No, like boys and girls are trafficked. Yes, right. So it's and it's not an easy conversation to have. It's oh. not an easy topic to discuss. Mm-hmm. Right. We're kind of. Be, for lack of a better word, being a little cavalier with like, hey, what do you think of this topic of trafficking and sex working? But it's not that simple. Like no. it's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of damaged people yeah. in that industry. There are. And how do you explain to like a 12, 13 year old, hey, this is going on when they don't even have the concept of sex yet? Well, I have teenage daughters. And it is a difficult conversation to have, but you do have to have it. And I'm sure your parents had it with you because you're younger. Yeah. And the internet is a real thing. Oh, yeah. So it was a lot more difficult to be trafficked before 2000. Yeah. 2002. But once chat rooms became a thing and once social media became a thing, that's when it became much easier to be like, oh, I'm going to catfish people and then kidnap them and traffic them and move them around the world. Right. Like that's a legitimate thing. I mean, there's a we're in Vernon, Connecticut, and there was a guy who was literally, quote unquote, slave training children that he was getting off of Craigslist from like people in the system of like. That is so sad. Social workers and kids like that. Like kids that had no home and nowhere to be. This guy was like purchasing them and they caught him. Yep. Obviously. And Yeah. yeah, but apparently he had been doing it for over 20 years. Holy moly. Right. Yeah. So it's it's one of those things where if legalizing it did help solve some of it, that would be great. But again, you're still going to have kids that run away from home. Yes. You and a lot of the, the people that are in that, for, again, a lack of a better word, because I don't even know what it's called besides an industry. Yeah. In that industry, you have a lot of kids that run away from home that were abused in some way, shape or form mm-hmm. that have nowhere to go. And then somebody takes advantage of them yeah. and then uses them mm-hmm. and then gets them hooked on drugs. Yes. And then traffics them. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's it's just a really hard. I don't envy you having to answer that question right yeah. out the gate because. First one. <laughs> it's way it's way more complex mm-hmm. than people let on. And you're yeah. 22? 23. 23. Yeah. And I'm 44. Right. So we, we're going to have very different perspectives. on, it. And I'm a boy and you're a girl. Yeah. And right? you have so, children. And I have children. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it still has this very different perspective on it. And yeah. I do think that if there's a young lady, and I'm not saying that you would do yeah. this, but a young lady wants to or a young man wants to be involved in selling their body mm-hmm. for other people's entertainment. People have been doing it since the beginning of time. They have. Right. So it's it's just a very difficult topic. It's it like is. a very difficult thing to say what is the right answer i don't think there ever will be i don't either um and it was legal at one point yep and it is legal in some places mm-hmm. but i just again i think all any industry where you can take advantage of somebody somebody's going to find a way to take advantage of them. oh a hundred percent right there's always going to be people like that unfortunately i wish that wasn't the case but it is right. whether you are even in in whether it goes from pageants to the finance industry to manufacturing, no matter what, I think people are always going to want to do that, which right. is just really sad. Well, and it's one of those interesting things that they would have this question at a pageant because a lot of 
what we hear from pageants is the sexualizing of little girls. Yes. Right? I mean, that's essentially what you're doing when you put mm-hmm. a, an eight-year-old girl or a five-year-old girl in full glam makeup. Yeah. You're saying, look how beautiful this girl is and look at look at what we've added to her to enhance her beauty. Yes. Right? Like, it would be one thing if we were taking five-year-olds and toddlers and just putting them on stage in natural look mm-hmm. and saying, okay, let's see how beautiful this natural little kid is let's see what their talent is let's see how educated they are at this point let's see right Mm -hmm. what it the pageants have this bad rap because of the sexualizing of little girls yeah and what a lot of people don't know is that there are actually pageants where the girls do go on stage natural like little girls with no makeup and i think those are so overshadowed too that they do have some of those Mm -hmm. right and i wonder if there's a market for that to be part of the conversation? Yeah, so I think there definitely is. It's just, it's almost like news nowadays. You never hear the good stuff. You only hear the bad things because that's what people gravitate to. People are almost like double the chance to click on a negative news headline rather than something positive. So I think almost like dives into people's psychology with what they would, what they find more entertaining. Right. Well, if it bleeds, it leads. That's right. That's the whole news industry and and that's the other thing that people don't the problem with the news is that it's for profit exactly right so no matter what they have to hit their numbers they, they have to sell their product and mm-hmm. if they don't sell their product then they're going to lose their money yeah if they lose their money then they lose their business it's a trickle-down effect of how life works yes how predominant in your opinion is the sexualization of young girls in pageants So I personally never did it when I was really young, Um, but even at Miss USA, I mean, I'm walking across the stage in a swimsuit on national television. Right. (laughs) And full hair and makeup done. So it's definitely going to be there, but I think part of it is you know what you're getting into when you are going into pageants. I will say that. Like, you know, being on that stage no matter what, even for me, it was for body positivity. That's why I wanted to to show people that you don't have to be a size double zero in order to do well at these competitions or for someone to consider you beautiful. But of course, there are going to be the people that are like, oh, this girl has curves and their train of thought goes from there. Um, but I honestly, I think it's definitely there, 100%. Like, no matter what, I, as much as I want to say it will all go away one day, it's not going to. That's just how people work. Right. But I mean, no matter what industry you're in, I mean, I worked in an aerospace industry and the finance industry and whenever I'd wear something like a pencil skirt with a, a top, people would be like, oh, and they'd comment on my appearance. So I think even though pageants, it's definitely at the forefront just because it's so obvious you're in a swimsuit on stage, it happens everywhere. It does happen everywhere, yeah. right? That's that's one of those things where, you know, when I was younger, I definitely am culprit of, of human hitting nature. people or, or saying inappropriate comments mm-hmm. or... And I think, I hope that as I got older, I have learned, I have no filter, so I offend everybody apparently. But I hope that at least I'm not being inappropriate and hurting somebody directly. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. Like for me, I don't understand being offended. I just don't grasp the concept. Mm -hmm. I do, however, understand the concept of having your feelings hurt. Yes. So I don't care if I offend people. Mm -hmm. I do care if I hurt people's feelings. And there's a very big difference for me in those two things, Mm -hmm. right? Like if I offend a group of people, 
that's just that's not on me that's on that group of people like mm-hmm. i didn't i didn't it wasn't my intent to offend you i said what i said this is my opinion on a topic yeah. if it if it upset you then it upset you but if i have an individual like if i say something to you and it upsets you and it hurts your feelings mm-hmm. then i want to make that right like i want to make sure that that's becomes an acceptable thing yeah of like oh hey i didn't mean it that way or hey i didn't you shouldn't have taken it that way because that's not how I intended it. So maybe it's the way I phrased it or, right, there's ways to to correct and yeah. adjust. The accountability. Right. You I have to take the accountability. There. Right. And there's, you know, for me, it, it's, you see a lot of older men dating younger women and vice versa. You see older women dating younger men. I am of the belief that if I'm old enough to be your father, I shouldn't be dating you. I agree with that. I think it's weird. Right. Like you're 23. I'm 44. There's there. No. Right. Yeah. Like, do you know what I mean? Like there. So for me to even say anything about your your looks outside of a perfect like unless I was casting you in a film mm-hmm. or some sort of uh, advertising thing where I was like, hey, you don't have the right look or, hey, you're very beautiful for this or that. Yeah. Right. Like that becomes very product based. Correct. Versus intimate like saying things that are inappropriate and cross a line of yeah you're old enough to be my dad it becomes creepy yeah like, like no young lady wants to hear that they're beautiful from somebody that's old enough to be their dad mm-hmm. not anyone that has good head on their shoulders of and has good mental health correct right like there yeah. are issues that people do crave that and that's again that becomes a mental health issue that becomes yeah what happened to make you feel this way and feel that need yeah right so part of my question and part of my conversation on this topic would be how many of the older men involved in the programs do you have to worry about or are there red flags or do they do a really good job of maintaining the you're a human resources major. This is your this is your department, right? Yes, it is. So do they do a good job of making sure that and they're not perverts, they're just inappropriate. Yeah. Right. And there's a difference. There, There is a difference. Right. Yes. And I don't think and clearly perverts are not OK. But I also think that it's not OK to be inappropriate either. Correct. Right. Yeah. Especially in professional environments. And in, and I'm a guy that's inappropriate <laughs> in very many ways, mm-hmm. but not in that way. Yeah. I hope. Yeah. Right? I think like there's a line. Yes, definitely. In the industry, I would definitely I would have to say, like, when you go to appearances, especially when you have a crown and sash on, like, everyone's eyes boom just because not everyone wears a sparkly crown on every day surprise surprise Uh, (laughs) but it's definitely there and I think it's a generational thing too because I've noticed at least at appearances a lot of the older men who maybe like the boomer age that's how they spoke back then so I think a lot of them don't even realize sometimes will be like oh sweetie you're so beautiful or um hey baby how's it going which for me, I was always very cognizant of that. And I'm very fortunate that my parents taught me that to just like be aware of your surroundings, know what's going on. And for me, I would be like, okay, like, thank you. I don't want to be rude, especially like when you are, when you're on the job, you have that crown and sash on too. You have to respect all people and you don't understand where they're coming from. And of course, there are some comments that are very uncomfortable. Like I've had people message me on Instagram and at places like, like say very specific things about my body and I'll I'll just say like thank you but like I don't appreciate a comment like that so as much as I want to say a little bit more also being cognizant of I'm a representative of an organization so finding a way to do it that's respectful towards the person that hopefully it's a learning opportunity 
for them because sometimes people get um, i'm sure you've seen some people get automatically offended and they're like oh i can't say x y and z anymore um and i think that's like the hardest part of it is when people react to that way. yeah so why can't it be you can say whatever the fuck you want just not to me oh it's not it do you know what i mean yeah i do like why don't you get to say that like i don't understand why you can't say you can say whatever you want just not to me I think that's a perfectly acceptable thing for anybody to say to anybody else, right? Like I say whatever the fuck I want whenever I want to say it. And if you looked at me and said, Danny, please don't say that to me. I'd go, oh, really? And I would be the first person to go, why? Mm -hmm. Number one, why can't I say that to you? Yeah. And then you would tell me your reason why. Mm -hmm. And then I'd go, oh, okay, well, that makes sense for you. I'll do my best. And I'll I'll say it won't. I say I'll do my best. Yes. Right? Because I- We're human. Right. And I might make a mistake. So I'll do my best. Like, I'll work on that. But if you can do the part of letting me know when I slip up and know that it's not intentional. Yeah. Right? Like, I make a very intentional, I call everybody bro, Mm -hmm. including my daughter's friends. And some of them look at me like, I'm not a bro. I'm like, you're a bro to me, dude. Everyone's bro. That's what it is. Right? Because I don't want to be in that sweetie honey category. Mm -hmm. Right? I just don't. Like, so I'd rather just call you bro or dude or man right guy guys like and it's not about being gender neutral and it's not about any of that piece for me it's about the understanding that i personally don't want to be the guy who's an adult that calls little girls sweetie and honey yeah i just don't want to do that i think that's very reasonable like sweetie and honey is for toddlers yeah right yes but after like age six Mm -hmm. that's not when you should be when adult men that don't aren't related to you yes shouldn't be calling you that oh i completely agree right yeah so i made a conscious and cognizant Mm -hmm. thing to say okay well i have a daughter this is what i'm gonna call like i even call my daughter bro right like i don't call her honey i don't call her sweetie i don't like i just don't do that Mm -hmm. i do when i'm making fun of her yeah (laughs) right like if she's in a bad mood and she's being a pain in the ass i'll be like oh sweetie you need a hug and she hates hugs (laughs) like so i'll just you know, yeah. so I mess with her a little bit in that playful way, mm-hmm. but it's not a thing that I want her to be comfortable with. I don't yeah. want her to be comfortable with older men calling her honey and sweetie. Yeah. Right? Like, I just, it's not a thing that... Yeah, no. It's uncomfortable. I've had that happen to me before, and it's just, it's very uncomfortable when that happens. Right. I just don't understand, for me, as a representative of an organization, especially one that is so public, mm-hmm. why they wouldn't allow you the freedom to be authentic. So I think you you can, you can be authentic because I know for me, I've been able to like say that to people is like, I don't feel comfortable with this. Or even we'll say the one good thing about social media is you have the ability to block people, to restrict people on your account too. Or if you say something once and they don't respond to it, it's cool. Like, awesome, great, you're gone. That's it. Um, But I think in person, it's not so much not being able to tell people, oh, don't do this to me. It's more of how you communicate it to them and being cognizant because you never know who's around if there's a kid around do they want to hear you telling someone off like it's not setting the greatest example but if you do it in a constructive way towards someone like i don't appreciate you doing that because of x y and z then it shows that yeah you can have a conversation and you can say no to someone without being disrespectful back sure that makes sense yeah so i had a question and i went blank (laughs) such a fun time when that happened um, so there is a big component of, it's a beauty pageant. I mean, okay. it's in the fucking yeah. 
title of what it is. It is. Right? So in that, how do you celebrate beauty without making it the main focus? I think it's being accepting of all people, of all body types, and showing that it doesn't have, like, you don't have to have brown hair, brown eyes, blonde hair, blue eyes, typical person, size zero. I think just celebrating people, making them feel confident in who they are. Like this past weekend at Miss Connecticut, we had two women who were moms. We had multiple people who weren't a size zero. I'm I'm sure as heck not a size zero, I'll tell you that much. Um, and just like being able to show people that you can walk on that stage. You can do very well at a pageant. A few years ago, there was a Miss Canada who was a size, I think it was like 10 or 12, who competed at Miss Universe. Just something like that in general. Being able to see someone who represents a large population, I think in itself is celebrating beauty enough. And I know the Miss Universe Miss Universe organization re- recently changed their hashtag. Um, so it used to be confidently beautiful, and they recently changed it to beautifully confident. And I think as much people are like, oh, they just switched two words around, it makes all the difference. Because before it was confidently beautiful, if you look at where the words are lined up, it's saying you're confident because you're beautiful. Now it's saying you're beautifully confident And in a way, you're being confident in a beautiful sense, in your own way. So I think just little things like that where the majority of people won't realize makes all the difference. And you're able to celebrate people of all different beauties, all different backgrounds. Well, it's interesting that women's and men's clothes are sized very differently. Oh, that is the biggest pet peeve I have. It's so frustrating. Well, and and I wonder when or if they're ever going to change it to a more standard measurement system because one you go to different stores and a zero at one store is not a zero at another store no. a 10 at one store is not a 10 at, like the, i know girls that will wear a one yeah in some stores but they'll be an eight in a different store yeah right and that right there is where you get into body dysmorphia oh. and that's where you get into the eating disorder stuff that you were talking about yes it becomes like well how come i don't fit in what i used to fit in or why don't i right and you it it's Messes with your head yeah. so much, so much. It's so frustrating. I know even growing up for myself, like not only just size-wise, but even like I was always a tall person growing up and I would fit in a certain size, but then I would have to go a size up just for it to be the correct length on me. And just that in itself, I'm like, oh my goodness, I have to go a size up. And when you're a teenager, especially teenager into high school, that messes with your head so much because it's like, oh, I'm a big person. And that's like when you're developing, your body is changing and just seeing like, I'll go to this store and I fit in this. I go to this store and I don't fit in that size. Like, oh my goodness, that was probably like one of the hardest things. Even now, as much as I want to say like, I'm completely good with that. I think everyone, not just people who have suffered from an eating disorder and body dysmorphia, but I think like everyone, men and women, I it seems like men's clothing is more standardized, which is great. Well, because it's, <laughs> you know, a pair of jeans is a 38 and then you pick, like, your waist is 38, 32, 34, 36, 42, yeah. 48, 28, 22, whatever your waist is, mm-hmm. right? And then you pick the length. You so you can literally get a 38 waist and a 30-inch leg, mm-hmm. or you get a 38 waist and a 34 leg, mm-hmm. or you get a 34 leg and a 38 that's like waist. Like, that. <laughs> right, and that's kind of what I'm curious about is who's going to step up mm-hmm. and standardize that kind of clothing line of like hey we're measuring your hips to your waist Mm -hmm. to your to your leg length right because that's why jeans are such a pain in the ass for women because a lot of women have hips yeah and then they have a small waist Mm -hmm. so if you get the wrong size jeans 
the hips fit, but the waist doesn't. Yep, or vice versa. Right, and that's why there's a button and a zipper so you can get it up over your hips. Like, like it's yeah. not fucking rocket science. It's pants. No. And we've been making them for years. Right. Making them for years. I know Levi's specifically, they do the measurements, which is great. Like, they do have the standardized sizes because we've gotten so used to that that a lot of women don't even know what their waist and their length would be. Right. Too. So I know with Levi's, they do have the size as well as what the actual like inseam is, what the waist measurement is. Love those jeans. They're my favorite just because I can actually find something that fits me. Right. What an idea. Right. Well, then it gets into like, I'm a zero or I'm a double zero, which is fucking even it's like, weird. what does that even mean though? Right. What does that mean? Right. <laughs> right. And then there's, there's a difference between being healthy and, and and unhealthy whether you're skinny or overweight yeah right and there's i am a person that is not healthy mm-hmm. clearly <laughs> right people give me shit all the time i am not i i work on it mm-hmm. but i am in physical pain most days so it makes it very difficult for me to work out more than mm-hmm. a certain amount of time and i fucking love food shut up food is so good yeah Let's so it is delicious right so it's one of those things where it's i'm gonna eat like and I'm going to eat what I want to eat. And I'll do good for, you know, a week or two or three weeks or even a month sometimes where I'll eat clean, but then I'll fall off. And so I fluctuate, which is fine. But the point of it is, is we spend so much time judging women yes. on their books and their body and all of those components, right, on a regular basis. Yeah. At what point are you doing something to add to the problem or fix the problem? Oh, that is like, I think that's the ultimate question when it comes to this. Because where my mind auto- automatically went was the modeling industry. Previously, everyone was what they call heroin skinny, where it's like almost unattainable and you look sick. But then all of a sudden they included plus size models. And I know for me growing up, I was like, oh, this is great being inclusive, but I still didn't see anyone who looked like me because they didn't have anyone in between. And it's like the majority of people are in between. Right. And I feel like these standards of beauty where it's like you have to have a tiny waist, but you also have to have curves and X, Y, and Z. And then you have these celebrities who are getting this work done. And then all of a sudden, on top of the work they're getting done, they're Photoshopping all of their pictures. So, of course, what people see, they're like, oh, I want that. And they're being like, oh, we're being inclusive because we're having this, this, and that. Well, why are you still editing your photos? Right. Why are you accentuating the hips from the waist? It's like, it doesn't make sense to me. So I think a lot of the ways that they've tried to solve this has added more to it and created even more unrealistic expectations for women. Right. 100%. I know for me, even for Miss USA, and I've talked to several of the girls that I've competed with, the body that you have on stage is not sustainable. It's not. Of course, like when you're on that stage, a lot of the girls are on the thinner side, but they're very strict with their diet. They're working out X amount of times per week. I know for me before Miss USA, and I honestly do not know how I did this. God bless my soul for doing it. But I would wake up at 4 a.m., go to the gym because I had an hour commute to work and I had to be there at 8 a.m. Wake up to go to the gym at 4 a.m., would go home, shower, get ready, go to work from 8 a.m. Sometimes I wouldn't leave work until 7 p.m., go home, and then work out again. Right. And, like, I cannot keep up with that at all. That is unrealistic. Right. Well, that's the part that people, that's the part where people 
don't understand what it takes. No. Right? Like, I know what it takes. I was an athlete. I played yeah. football and I wrestled. I've done all kinds of other things throughout my life where yeah. I was very physically fit, mm -hmm. which is why I'm in so much pain now because I abused the hell out of my body. Yep. Right? So it's one of those things where I know what it takes to get a six-pack. Mm -hmm. I know what it takes. Yeah. I just don't fucking want to do it. It's a lot. It's, it's a so lot of work. Hard. And on top of it, like, the expenses just for the healthy food. I mean, you look, it's you can get, like, what, $3 and get how much stuff at McDonald's or Burger King? And then $3 in the healthy food aisle is not even a bag of chips, the healthy chips. Right. Like, I think expenses on top of it is absolutely ridiculous. It's so hard to keep up with that side of it for people who are stressing financially. And on top of it, I know for me, so like we mentioned, I had ran track. I ran club track in college. And I think one of the biggest things, too, is people who are athletes are, whether it's in high school or they go to the collegiate level and even professionals once they retire – is you've been training your body for a reason without even realizing it you're getting physically fit it's because i have to run faster because i have to throw something i have to tackle someone that you've been conditioned in a way to train your body and i know for me i had and this is really when my eating disorder came up is when i stopped running track and playing soccer was because i was like i knew how to work out so i could get faster and once i wasn't running for track anymore playing soccer i was like how do i work out i don't know how do i know what to eat because the amount of calories you burn when you are playing sports is ridiculous without even realizing it. Yeah. And then all of a sudden it's like everything's out the window. So why don't we have anything that helps transition that? Transition athletes, whether even for dance, gymnastics, things like that, have that transition period because or at least educate people on how to stay healthy. Even with the transition, like there are so many kids that don't even enter the athletic world. Yeah. There are so many kids that don't even enter physical activity. And people think that's a perfectly acceptable way to live. Yeah. Like, kids need outdoors. Oh, Kids need sunlight. Kids need fresh air. Mm -hmm. Kids need physical activity. Yeah. Because it helps them sleep. Yes. And it helps them think. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, all those things add to it. Yeah. And the justification of, well, they don't like it or they don't enjoy this or... And then on top of it, there has to be different levels of play because... There is going to be the competitive level, and then there's going to be the non-competitive level. So, you know, you can make the sports team at school, and you can go to states, and you can go to nationals or whatever, or you can go to rec, yeah. which is just your town league, and get this activity, or play with your friends, or just be outside doing shit. Yeah. Right? It's, But it takes so much work to look the way that models and athletes look. Yes. And then that becomes the standard of beauty. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. And it's like, okay. And then we try and overcompensate by saying, oh, these plus size people, this is this is acceptable. And then we go to dad bods and say, oh, dad bods are acceptable. But okay, well, what about a mom bod? Nope. And it's like, right. But my thing is, is if you're a dad or mom, you should, should, be, have that body. should be with somebody that you love and that you're sharing your life with. And health should be part of it. Yes. But extreme fitness doesn't have to be. No. Right? So there should be. But also, like, why are you holding the person that you love, that you have children with, to a standard that you don't hold yourself to? Yes. Oh, my goodness. I feel like that's the biggest thing is especially with women. Of course, like, I'm 23. I don't have any kids or anything. But I know some of my friends who have had kids. Automatically, people are like, why don't you have your old body back? And it's like, well, you just had a baby. Of course. And right. it's like, 
you're expected to bounce back in like two months, not even. And it's like your body hasn't even recovered right. from birthing a child. That's a big thing. You were carrying that child for nine months and then you're expected. Well, then you see celebrities that mm-hmm. do yoga throughout. Yep. They work out throughout. They have multiple doctors and multiple fitness coaches and multiple nutritionists yep. that help them understand how to spring back into work mode. Yes. But um, again, that's their fucking job. It's their job. They're literally right. Like supposed to look If you're that a human way. resources manager, that's not your job. No. Right? Not at all. So your personal health has to become personal health. Mm-hmm. And you have to decide what you're comfortable with. Yeah. You have to decide where you want to be. Mm-hmm. Right? Like me holding my kid accountable for doing a certain amount of athletics mm-hmm. and doing a certain amount of fitness and healthy shit is very different than me holding myself accountable for similar shit. Like, I'm 44. Mm -hmm. She's 15. I am not going to run as much. I am not going to lift as often. I am not going to play as much. I am not going to have the same energy level as a 15-year-old fucking kid. That's just not how the world works. Mm -mm. And yes, there are 40-year-olds out there and above that do have that energy and do make that a priority in their life. And I, that I'm all for that for mm-hmm. you. Yeah. It's an individualized choice yeah. of how you want to exist. Mm-hmm. Right. And I let myself go, whether it was intentional or unintentional, I let myself go mm-hmm. over a certain number of years. Yeah. So I know that the last year of me working out three times a week mm-hmm. is not going to make up for a decade of letting shit go. Yeah. Right. It's so true. And that's the difference is I have an understanding of what it took for me to be at my peak performance level when I was a teenager versus what it is to be healthier in my 40s. Yes. Right? So it becomes this accountability piece of 20-nothing-year-old people are supposed to be at their peak. Yeah. This is the prime time for them to be attracting other people and building a life. Yep. Right? It is. And if... And if your goal is to find a partner that you want to share your life with mm-hmm. and you want to have children with that partner, then you should commit to that partner and raise those children together and respect and love each other in a way that you know that they're not going to be the same person in their 40s that they were in their 20s. They're not going to be the same person in their 40s that they were in their 30s. Oh. Like, that's just not realistic. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. So we have these unrealistic ex- expectations on... Even the far side of it of like, oh, these these big boned people, mm-hmm. these plus models, yeah, these are beautiful people because they're beautiful and just let them be. Okay, maybe, but are they their healthiest? Mm-hmm. Because that's what should matter. Yes. What should matter is are they healthy? Yeah. Right. Can they go up ten flights of stairs without needing a break, mm-hmm. and not be winded? Yeah, I cannot. A heart stress test. Right. Basic things like that. Do you have high blood pressure? Do you have high cholesterol? Do you, like, that's the standard of health yes. that the normal person needs, mm-hmm. right? So it's perfectly fine if you want to sell a product and say, hey, look at this beautiful person. This beautiful person does this. You should do it too. But it's up to the individuals that have children and parents of those children to say, hey, look, this isn't realistic. Mm-hmm. Hey, why are you looking at that person? Yeah. Hey, what do you find great about that person? Anybody that tells you that that attractiveness doesn't matter is full of shit. Oh. You have to be attracted to the person. That's the first thing that yeah. everybody does, right? Mm-hmm. There is, and there are exceptions to the rule. Yes. There are people out there that end up falling in love with people mm-hmm. that they were not attracted to initially, 
but they become friends, they hang yeah. out, they get close, they develop a rapport, and then they mm -hmm. become attractive to you over time. Yeah. Yes. That's and a I fucking thing. I get it. it it's not the norm. No. Think about it. Like, I know for women, if you're at a bar and you're attracted to men, if a guy who you think is attractive comes over and talks to you, yeah, you're going to flirt with them, maybe let them buy you a drink. If someone comes over who you don't think is attractive, you're calling your friends over right away. You're giving them that signal like, hey, come save me. You're not right. even giving that person a chance. Well, and that's that thing is there is a very fine line between creepy and romantic. Yes, there is. Oh, my God. Right? People can pass it. Like, right. no problem. But there's also, there's also like the difference between Tyler's 25. Mm -hmm. I'm 44. If we're at a bar and I flirt with you, it's creepy. Yeah. If he flirts with you, it might be romantic. Yeah. Right? Like, that's realistic. Yes, right? it is. And that's the difference. Mm -hmm. Right? There's a difference between texting and calling somebody every day multiple times yeah. that you want to hear from mm -hmm. versus somebody you don't want to hear from. Yeah. Right? It becomes creepy. And you're like, why is this person doing this? But if somebody else was doing it, You'd be like, oh, this it's is so great. Cute. It's so cute, right? Like, oh, he drops he drops little gifts on my step in the middle of the night and I wake up and they're there, right? That's so cute. It's so adorable. Or it's, what's wrong with that guy? He's a serial killer. Why is he dropping things off at your door while you're sleeping when nobody's around in the middle of the night? Yeah. Right? It, 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 again, Online. if you want it, it's so adorable and so cute and so romantic. But if you don't, it's the complete opposite. It's the complete opposite. And I think that's a message that isn't being sold to people, right? Because people are like, oh, no, I saw it in a movie. It's super romantic. Right. It's romantic if she wants it. Yeah. Or if he wants it. Yeah. If they don't, you're a fucking weirdo. Yeah, you're really weird. Especially right? after, like, someone tells you, I'm not attracted to you. Or, like, says it right. in a nice way. Even, like, I want to be friends with you. And people still keep doing that. Yeah. Like, okay, please stop. Right. It becomes this and that's, And a lot of that stems from entertainment it stems from watching movies of beautiful people doing mm -hmm. beautiful things and like you know the notebook one of the best movies i love that movie such a good right movie. <laughs> practical you know like all those types of things where you see these romantic gestures mm -hmm. and then you like look at the show you oh my god yeah right? and people even um what is his name pen back Bagley is the actor's name yeah um he even said like he literally put on Instagram or something like, why are you guys attracted to him? Like, he's so creepy. Think about all the things that he's doing. Like, please stop. Right. He's the one portraying that person. Right. Like, take out the murder and the and the mayhem and just do some of the weird shit he's doing. That right. Like the just breaking into your home or just the watching you from across or the alley. Some of your things or... without you knowing. Right. No. It's weird. It's very weird. Right. It is very weird. However, if I take stuff of yours or you give me stuff, Right. Yeah. And I keep it as a keepsake. Yeah. It then becomes romantic. Yes. Yeah. Right. So there's this really fine line of this shit where it's like. Yeah. People need like education and on how to talk to other people. Oh, yeah. And I think with social media and I think with technology, young people have lost the skill set of being able to communicate and have conversation. Oh, yeah. One hundred and ten percent. I know. Like even for people just how to like date someone in general you, everyone's using these apps nowadays and so like I got a few dating apps and I ended up deleting them because I was just like this is so weird like I don't know anything about this person and I'm very much like I'll talk to someone and get vibes from them yep. and I'm like okay cool like yeah you're attractive but are you like normal are you normal are you not 
And I know like some people, oh my goodness, there was this person who right away like started sending me hearts. And I was just like, oh no, like big X, please stop like unmatching right here. But I feel like as a society, like everything is so over romanticized where even people, they see these movies and they're like, oh, I want someone to do that for me. Yeah. So then they expect it. And then when it's not there, it's like, oh, this person doesn't love me or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. But it's also just like reality. It's a movie. Right. People aren't going to do those things. Well, and but they can. But they can. They can. Right? Yeah. If you find the right person, they can do yes. those things. But it's right? like, do you even like that? Right. And then it's, do you even like that? Like, I know with my wife, when we first met, mm -hmm. I would write her handwritten letters. Yeah. And send her flowers. Mm-hmm. Right? I remember when I first moved in with my wife, mm -hmm. when we decided we were going to live together, she was like, explain to me why we should live together. Because she had she was divorced and she had kids and so she was like write me up i think it was like some sort of i don't remember if it was by word or by pages but she asked me to write an essay about whatever yeah. and she was joking so i wrote the essay and i think she I still has that. it because she didn't think i would write it yeah because i just wanted to be with her and i loved her and i knew that she was my person and if she had given me any indication that she didn't want it yeah. i would have stopped yes but she did not give me that indication. She gave me the indication that she thought it was cute and she thought it was something that she wanted to be involved with. And it, and that's why it ended up working out. And that's why we're married today. But it's also why our relationship, in my opinion, is so much stronger than most. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't worry about my relationship with her. Mm -hmm. Whether she does or not, I can't speak to all the time. But I know that she can get jealous and she can make offhanded comments because of her own history. Mm -hmm. But I'm just like, is that really what you think? That's crazy to me, mm -hmm. right? Like, that's just, it doesn't make sense to me that you would think that I'm looking at somebody else. Like, mm -hmm. you're my person. Like, yeah. I'm not a young man anymore. Like, this is, mm -hmm. I would get it if we were in our 20s. But, like, like people, past relationships really mess with your head. I know, like, yeah. I had, an, oh, my, my last relationship, the person was so controlling. Like, I couldn't even spend time with my mom without him getting upset. Because he's like, oh, why are you spending time with her when you can spend time with me? And this was, like, a 25-year-old man at the time. Like, he was older than me, too. And it's just, like... You expect like, oh, like, oh, at first, of course, the rose colored glasses were on. I'm like, oh, he just wants to spend time with me like as much as possible. Like, of course, I'm going to go drive down to see him rather than him driving to me and things like that. But then afterwards, like once reality sets in and you're dating someone for like two years, you're like, I think I can spend time with my mom. But then all of a sudden you've set these expectations yeah. that, hey, like, yeah, you can skip out on family stuff to go spend time with this person. So then all of a sudden they expect it. And when you do want to spend time with your family, it's like, what are you doing? Like for me, like I said, I'm Portuguese. I like family is very important. I spend so much time with my family. So I think too, like those rose colored glasses, especially when you're young, like I feel like you have to make some mistakes in order to learn yeah. all of these things. But where I was going at with that is all of these things, like all the things my past relationships did. I know my mom now, she's like, Cynthia, you're too picky. You say no to everyone. And I'm like, well, that's because of all the things that I've been through, I know like there are some things where absolutely no, like the first sign of it, I'm just like, mm -mm. no. Well, that's the other thing too, right? Are you picky or do you have standards? Standards. That's what I like to say. I do right. have standards. I know and that's I perfectly acceptable. Yeah. Right. There is nothing wrong with having standards. There's yeah. nothing wrong with saying, yeah, you're not a good fit for me. Mm -hmm. There's nothing wrong with saying, yeah, I don't even think you're close to a good fit for me. Right. It. I've dated a bunch of women in my life. I'm 44. So I've obviously dated a handful of women. I wouldn't say a bunch, but a handful. <laughs> and most of them were good people. Mm 
there were a couple that were standouts that were a little not good. So we all have those. <laughs> but for the most part, they were good people with good intentions. Yeah. And it just didn't work out because it just didn't work for us. Mm-hmm. Right. Whether I was too young or I was too involved in wanting other things or if I wanted, you know, when I adopted my daughter, that's when my world changed. Mm-hmm. That's when my point of view changed. Yeah. That's when my world changed. Mm-hmm. Right. So. It, when I became a single dad of a two-and-a-half-year-old girl, that made me rethink everything I was doing with my life. And I still dated several women before I found my wife. And again, most of them were good people. Yeah. They just weren't a good fit for me and what my standards were. And I think that's how you find out what you do like and what does work for you, though. Because right. if you didn't, you would have no idea. And I feel like that's where a lot of people, too, like, I know some people who didn't date, like they just ended up dating, marrying the first person they dated. And then years later, they're divorced. And it's because someone cheated on someone because they didn't know what they liked and they just like rushed into it. So I think it's important, like getting out there, like it's okay to grab dinner with someone. Yeah. So like, unless they're like a creeper and try to like whatever, but like it's, that's normal. That's how you meet people. And there's, and there's, there's levels of dating. Right. Like there's like, okay, we're starting to see each other. Okay. We're dating now. Okay. We're exclusive now. Okay. We're in a committed relationship now. Okay. We're living together now. Okay. We're getting married now. Okay. We're having kids now. Okay. We're on the second half of our life and our kids are moving out. Like, and those are all levels and different, they're all different outcomes for, did my audio just cut out? Just check on that before we continue. Yeah. My headphones. My headphones are dead, but as long as you're getting audio in the... Yeah, Great. I still hear you too. Okay, good. They're back. <laughs> um, so there's all those different levels of of relationship, right? Yes. And what people tend to misunderstand is that relationships are work, but at the beginning you enjoy the work. Of course. It's work the to hold somebody... Teach. It's work to hold somebody's hand all the time. It's work to show up or to give up time with your family or to spend time with their family or to get flowers or to get little gifts or write little notes or this is all work, yeah. right? And every relationship we have is work. Even when we have a child, that relationship becomes work and we're the ones that are doing most of the work, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And when it's a relationship, we hope that that relationship, the work is equal. The yeah. work is a back and forth, mm-hmm. right? We're hoping that I'm putting in some work and you're putting in some work and Mm -hmm. we're enjoying doing the work together. So that way, when the work becomes difficult or Or it's not 50-50, right, it might be 80-20. Right. Which are red flags. Mm -hmm. And it's okay if it's 80-20 sometimes. Yes. And as long as it flips to 80-20 the other way. Mm -hmm. Right. It's not okay if it's 80-20 always. Yes. Like that's just not a healthy place to be. No. Right. So it's. I also don't think that young men right now understand that you're supposed to go to the girl's house. Oh, my goodness. I know. Like, yeah. you're supposed to go to her family. Mm-hmm. And if your family's not okay with that, then they're a family that doesn't understand how the world works. Yes. Like, the world dictates that the girl in the relationship mm-hmm. gets the family stuff. Yes. And it's great if the girl also wants to go to some of the family stuff for the boy, mm-hmm. and she should. She should want to do that stuff, but on major consistent holiday traditions, that always defaults to the girl in the relationship. Mm -hmm. 
And that's not sexist and that's not misogynistic. That's just how healthy relationships work. Yes. Yeah. Th that's just, I don't know why. It's just, that's just should be a, it's a rule. Yeah. Like my mom always said, oh my goodness, it's actually a really cute saying. It was like, a son is a son until he marries his wife and a daughter is a daughter for life. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty it's much. Like, that's how it is. Right. And if, and if the daughter has an unhealthy family, then that's another topic. Totally different right? story. And if the and if the boy has an unhealthy family, another topic. Yes. Right? But also there's something to be said that when you get to the certain level of having your own kids, mm -hmm. now it's about making your own traditions. Yes. And it's about inviting the older folks to you. Mm -hmm. Right? And it's about saying, hey, Grammy and Grampy are going to come here. The grandparents are going to come with us. Hey, they're going to come over our house because we have the kids and it's easier for them to get to us than it is for us to pile all this stuff up and mm -hmm. go to them. Yes. Right? And we're, and that's the transition of, of the family dynamic and relationships. Mm -hmm. Right? But if you want a healthy relationship and you want it to work, mm -hmm. the most important thing in any healthy relationship, do you know what it is? What is it? The other person. Oh. It's not trust. It's not love. It's not honesty. It's not, it's not communication. It's the other person. Yeah. The most important person in the whole world is yourself. But the most important thing in a healthy relationship is the other person. Mm -hmm. And when you put it in those terms, now all the things that you need from me in the relationship, whether it's romantic or not, even a professional relationship, mm -hmm. now I'm looking out for the things that you need and want from me. Yes. And when I do that, you're going to be happier and you're going to be more likely to give me what I need and want. Yeah. Right? It becomes an automatic give and take. It does. Even if you don't follow my rule of the most important thing in a healthy relationship is the other person, mm -hmm. I'm going to be the one that dictates that from the jump. So that way, if it ends up being 80-20, mm -hmm. I can try to make you adjust yeah. and try to get you to understand that we need to be equals mm -hmm. and that I'm giving way too much. Yeah. But if you don't want to give, then I have to make a decision that I'm the most important person for me yeah. and that's not a healthy relationship. Right? Yeah. So when you can go into relationships with that knowledge and you can go into relationships understanding that system, mm -hmm. now all of a sudden you can build stronger, healthier relationships all the way through. Yeah. And I think that honestly starts with yourself too. Like I know earlier you mentioned like the mental health of people nowadays is out of whack. Like we've never seen levels of depression and anxiety like we do today. Well, that's social media. Social media. And it literally goes down to the biological sense. Like that's giving you an automatic hit of dopamine every time you yeah. see a like, every single time you see a positive comment. So your receptors are literally on overload all the time. The second you don't have that, your brain is like, what the heck is going on? I well, feel depressed. It also creates envy. It also creates jealousy. It also creates gluttony. Yeah, right? Like things. we become, we, we have this need to connect through social media mm -hmm. and Again, it's it's slightly hypocritical for me to even have this conversation because I'm doing a podcast that I post on social <laughs> media. But I'm this is my this is my part of my life. That's my hobby. I enjoy meeting people like you. Mm -hmm. Like we met randomly, and yeah. I was like, oh, I should have her on the podcast. She is an accomplished 23 year old person, yeah. right? Like you've accomplished shit. Yeah. Like that's cool. Yeah. You have a master's degree. You were in the Miss USA pageant. Like these are things that are notable. Right. And I like to I like to talk to people about their achievements. I like to talk to people about their success. Yeah. That and to me, that connection, that means more to me than the likes and the shares and the the viral and the all the other shit that goes on with it. Mm -hmm. 
because there's good and bad that comes with being viral. Oh, hundred. Like I've I've gone viral, and it's mm-hmm. not it's not all fun for most of but again i don't get offended and if i don't know you can't hurt my feelings so i don't give a shit what people say about like me you don't pay my bills Mm-mm. right <laughs> so it becomes that kind of thing mm-hmm. you know yeah it does and people just like they see it and they also think it's reality too like i don't always look like this like i've got some fake eyelashes on today mm-hmm. i felt like it but do i look like this every day oh no this is so much work to do this the amount of time you put into it it's like i don't do that you see me Every other day, I don't have makeup on. Every once in a while, do I like to get dressed up? Of course I do. Am I going to highlight the times I get dressed up? Of course I'm going to because I feel great about myself. And it's not something I do all the time. But people are like in this era where they just like expect, they think you're like this all the time. And I'm like, no, that's not the case. Well, that's where I am a believer that authenticity matters on social media. Oh, 100. Right? That's the way you're going to win. Yeah. If you're authentic and you post the real stuff mm-hmm. in the real moments to you that matter, I, I mean, I talk about it all the time on yeah. here, but it's this leading with kindness bullshit that everybody wants to spew oh is creating the fakeness that is ruining things. Yeah. Like, I think you should lead with love. Yeah. Lead with love. Love meaning I understand. Mm-hmm. I accept. Mm-hmm. I follow through with kindness. Mm-hmm. Right. And I finish with gratitude. Thanks for sharing. Thanks for being here. Thanks for being part of I like that my conversation. You right? just did. Well, that's I like that. These are the things that I've worked on over the years mm-hmm. to better myself. Mm-hmm. Right. This is why I have a successful business. This is why I have successful relationships. This is why I feel so confident and comfortable with my wife mm-hmm. and my kids. Yeah. Right. Like this because of the way that I want to live my life. Mm-hmm. I want to live my life full of love. Right. Without love, I can't have any joy. I can't have any. And I'm a guy that struggles from bipolar and depression. Mm -hmm. So I have many days where I don't even fucking want to get off the couch. I have many nights where I can't fall asleep because I'm just imposter syndrome to the fucking nines Mm -hmm. wondering why I even have anything that I have. Yeah. Right. And that's a real struggle. And that's a real thing that I go through. Mm -hmm. But it's these exercises and these nuances that I've created for my existence that if they help somebody else in their existence that's great so let's talk about them and let's have conversations about them just like you'd mentioned you had an eating disorder right which one did you have make sure to come back for part two to hear the rest of this discussion